This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. All organisms go through a process of physiological decline, resulting in decreased survival and reproduction with age. This is senescence. A recent special feature on plant senescence recently came out in the Journal of Ecology. I got a chance to chat with Rob Soguero Gomez and Richard Shefferson, two of the three editors of the special issue about plant senescence. Hello, my name is Rob Salguero Gomez. I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Queensland in Australia, and I'm also a research fellow of the Max Planck Society in Germany. And broadly speaking, I'm a plant evolutionary ecologist with various interests in plants and essences among them. And I'm Rich Shefferson. I'm an assistant professor at the Odom School of Ecology in the University of Georgia. And I'm also a plant evolutionary ecologist, mostly work in uh, life histories as well as uh, the evolution of symbioses. What is whole plant senescence and, and um, why, should, you know, why should we care about it? Kind of the physiological decay process that happens with age in the whole plant, right? Mm-hmm. So if we think about senescence in people, we think about people slowly sort of breaking down as they get older. And we can think about a plant doing that, you know, throughout its body as well. So that, that's what that refers to. Okay. So, so why should we, like, why should we care about it? Why is it important? Well, I, I think really because most of the study of senescence really is done in people. Mm-hmm. And plants are definitely not people, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the process of senescence over there is either completely different because they're so different from us, or it's remarkably the same. And if it is, that would be pretty extraordinary. In addition to the fact that, like Rich said, uh, the senescence literature is widely human or at least animal kingdom dominated, um, senescence eventually affects productivity of crops and other cultivars, particularly if you're looking at long-lived species like uh, fruit trees. And if senescence occurs in those species, the, the per capita contribution, that is the reproduction, might go down, which is something that, from a productivity point of view, uh, we would, of course, like to avoid. In your introductory paper, you, you talked about um, subhole plant senescence, if I, if I can uh, say that, um, you know, something like mm-hmm. leaf, leaf senescence. Um, and how, how does that differ from whole, whole plant senescence and how, and how are they related to one another? Well, if, um, if, if I can take this one, um, see then what Rich thinks about that. Um, I think it differs in two different aspects, qualitatively and quantitatively. The first one is that most of the research that has been undertaken in the plant kingdom related to senescence has been done at the organ level senescence, so leaf senescence, fruit senescence, stem senescence. Um, and not so much is known as to whether the likelihood, the likelihood of mortality and reproduction might change uh, positively or negatively with age. Um, that would be the formal definition of senescence at the demographic level. Um, so one of the reasons why those two organ senescence and whole plant senescence might not be the same, might not equal, is because of plants' remarkable architectural program whereby um, they can be split internally into different modules that may behave with a certain degree of independence. So you can think of a module that is undergoing high 
rates of, uh, say, leaf senescence, and another module is not. Um, and yet they both belong to the same genet or the same genetic individual. The whole level of senescence might stay the same, um, even though the rates of senescence at the organal level might be quite different. Yeah, so uh, if I could throw in something here. Uh, so it, it, it might be good to sort of think of it in terms of examples. Most of the plant uh, demography literature, I think, is focused on temperate plants. And if we think about temperate plants, so the leaves on the trees here in Georgia, right, are going to fall off in the winter. They go through a senescence process. But the tree doesn't die. It's just that those leaves are dying, basically being born and dying every year, and so going through this kind of quickened process of aging. Mm -hmm. And so what happens at the organ is not necessarily what happens at, at the level of the whole individual. Mm -hmm. right. But it seems like, a, as you know, in an annual plant, that, that might actually be more true than in a longer-lived plant. Well, yes and no, because annual plants also do go through quicker organ-level senescence in a lot of cases. Right. They might still be going through that leaf turnaround, whereas the whole plant might still exist across the, the whole season. Right. And, and then a lot of those annuals are still poss you know, have the potential to live longer than that and sometimes do. In your introductory paper, again, you mentioned that, uh, that the whole plant senescence is, is relatively understudied. Uh, and why do you think that is? That's, a, that's really at the core of what promoted Rich, Mike, and I wanting to put together this special feature. Um, most of the literature that has been developed in regards to senescence has been done in the animal kingdom, particularly in humans. As I mentioned before, the theories, the classical theories of Hamilton and other folks have been developed specifically or indirectly with humans in mind. And then these have been taken or... Um, considered to apply to the rest of the of the tree of life. Specifically, I believe it was William who said that um, senescence is expected to evolve into a core even in the most bizarre um, organisms in the farthest reaches of the universe, which is quite the statement to say. And um, one of the research points that uh, the people involved in this special feature are interested in, in answering is whether that specific hypothesis is true in the plant kingdom, particularly because plants have a number of remarkable properties, like just being able to photosynthesize or the organization that might uh, enable them to escape senescence. The fact that plant senescence has also been relatively understudied when compared to animal senescence is really not a coincidence. Measuring um, age or quantifying age in a organism, in a plant organism, is really difficult sometimes, particularly if you're not a woody species that creates annual rings with a certainty. That is, there are some woody species in arid ecosystems that will create growth rings, but they will only create them whenever it rains, and rains, rains are very sporadic in those ecosystems. And there are also some herbaceous plant species that um, have major impact on ecosystem services and biodiversity, for instance, in grasslands. But these species don't create annual rings. They don't have secondary growth. And because of that, it's really difficult to estimate age. The, one of the ways you can do this is by um, carrying out very long-term studies. But of course, this requires the commitment of the research group. Um, and funding agencies might want to take a note in that one. In terms of 
uh, whole plant senescence, is it sort of, can you think of it as a species trait? Or is it, I mean, is it like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you can measure it, uh, but is it, is it, how complex is it um, as a trait? And, and is it, can it be plastic? You know, does it, does it, does it vary in that way? Um, I would argue that it's strongly plastic, particularly in plants. Right. And uh, I think uh, it's not just plants. I, mean, I think there's a pretty good basis in the literature for even animals. So, you know, it's, it was doc pretty well documented in birds uh, by Rob Rickliffs and a few other folks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, plants are particularly so. Pla plants are strongly plastic because there's a lot of their lives and their traits that are strongly based in size and growth. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of their demography is strongly driven by size and growth trends. Mm -hmm. And um, so senescence, you know, to some extent, is going to be driven by how stable the environment is, how good the environment is, which is going to affect growth trends, and that's going to affect how the plant is interacting with the environment and how its physiological processes are being maintained or not so, or, or breaking down at some point. Um, so I think plasticity is a big part of it. And that, of course, also suggests that there might be a genotypic sort of aspect to this, a genetic aspect, that some plants might have genes that might allow them to weather, um, weather the storm for a longer period of time and so have longer lifespans and, and have slower breakdown processes. Uh, so, so, yeah, definitely there's a, there's a plastic element to this. Where are we on the – so you just mentioned that there were um, – genes that could could or are involved could be or are involved in um possibly you know lengthening lifespan and and, and whole plant senescence where are we on the you know relative understanding of of you know the phenological measurement of of senescence and then sort of the, the genetic underpinning of it there was a paper two years ago or last year coming out in journal of ecology on uh, this one remarkable herbaceous plant species that uh, was reported not to undergo senescence at the demographic level. This work was done by Maria Garcia and other collaborators. And mm -hmm. the herb um, is called Borgia prunita, which is a dioecious species, lives in the Pyrenees between Spain and, and France. And in the in one of the papers in the special feature, the collaborators of Maria Garcia and herself target the physiological mechanisms, the hormonal control of this lack of demographic senescence. So this goes on to show that um, we're still at the very early stages of development in, in the in the literature of plants and essence, trying to link genetics, anatomy, physiology, and demography. But I think that um, Rich, Mike, and, and, and myself really advocate for the unification and the collaboration of these three different disciplines to be able to not just understand the consequences or even the existence of senescence, but also the mechanisms by which it happens or it does not happen. Yeah, I, I think so. With plants in particular, we've suffered from the fact that, so, you know, there's a huge amount of human demography out there that we can link a genetic study to, for example. And with some of the model animal organisms, there's a huge amount of demographic literature and a lot of genetic literature out there. And with most plants, we're, we don't have that so much. You know, we have a lot of PhD dissertations, which are inevitably going to be focused on either short-lived organisms or they're going to be focused on long-lived plants but won't be done long enough to really find senescent patterns. And so then when you try to link a you know, genetic study to that, it's, it's pretty difficult. 
but I think we're just getting to that point where there are now certain species, you know, certain systems where we can link the two together. Um, I know of, of a pretty good amount of work with genomics, for example, and transcriptomics being done in animals that's targeting that and finding all sorts of genes that are related. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the issues that's coming out of this is that, to be honest, there's a huge amount of the genome of any organism that is related to senescence, right? Mm -hmm. And actually figuring out how all those genes are involved is a nightmare because all of those genes get expressed differently under different environments and you know interact with one another in bizarre ways. So I, th I think it's going to be um, a real challenge, but a, a very interesting challenge uh, looking over maybe the next 10 or 20 years to see exactly how genetics gets integrated more with the study of, of whole plant and whole organism senescence. In your introductory paper, you... you um you talked about some of the papers included in the in the special feature. What uh, I was hoping you could highlight um, some of the more interesting or surprising results uh, from those papers. I guess there's sort of two papers that really uh, I think in the end stuck out to me. Uh, one is the the paper by uh, Yuha Tuomi, uh, dealing with how dormancy uh, interacts with us. So dormancy is this. Uh, capability of certain plant species uh, kind of spread throughout the plant kingdom to not sprout. Mm -hmm. So long-lived perennials that sometimes just kind of hang out for a few years at a time underground without actually putting up anything mm -hmm. to photosynthesize. And finding that that state sort of allows them to maintain themselves demographically, right? So to keep their, their old, you know, level of survival or reproductive capacity while they're underground there. So it could be, for example, that they, these plants undergo growth costs and so forth or, or whatever, but that this state allows them to maintain themselves to some extent replenish themselves, and that sort of extends their lifespan potentially in the face of senescence, mm -hmm. which is a, a fairly interesting thing. I think dormancy, vegetative dormancy, is is severely understudied in plants and, and is a really interesting thing. Uh, but the second paper is also uh, by uh, Hal Caswell and co-authored by Rob here, and uh, dealing with measuring the force of selection uh, on mortality, which is really important because it, that's the that theoretical link that sort of drives the evolution of senescence. That because um, as organisms get older, they they have the potential to contribute less really to future generations. Selection becomes weaker, hmm. and actually estimating that in a long-lived complex species like a long-lived plant has been a nightmare. And that that paper really gets at how to do that and gives a good example of it. Two papers really come up to mind right now. One of them is the paper that I was referring to before in regards to the inexistence of, not just the inexistence, but negative senescence in this herb in the Pyrenees named Borgia Pyrenaica. This work is led by Morales and co-authors. And what the authors did is really a real fine job about describing physiological mechanisms um, as a function of age. This plant organism has a remarkable property, which is that you can actually age it. Um, each year, it will produce a given number of leaves, a fixed number of leaves from one of the five shoot apical meristems. 
And because of those scars that the leaves leave when they senesce at the organ level, the authors can then go back in time and age the individuals and correlate how they're doing now in terms of their physiology with how old they are. What the authors found is that individuals of this one species not only seem to escape the negative effects of senescence, but they even get better as the, or the individuals get older. And that was specifically true for females, which is really interesting to me because females, and this is a dioecious species, that is, it has females on the one hand and males on the other hand. Females... Um, are known to spend most of their resources in terms of reproduction and investment on on that very trait, sorry, on that very vital rate, and yet they seem to be getting better faster than, than males would do. That was one paper that uh, really caught my eye. The other paper is based on a wonderful and very thoroughly replicated um, study led by Rich Jefferson with co-author Debbie Roach in the also a herbaceous plant species, Plantago lanceolata. In the case of Plantago, which is perhaps the jewel of plant demography, if I may say, because there's been uh, quite a bit of um, studies done in, 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 in this species um, by different labs and from different countries and sites. In this case, what the authors did is they had four different cohorts uh, that they planted in the field in the same site at different times with a time lag. And then they were able to follow these individuals for a very long amount of years, 10 years. And with some sophisticated matrix decomposition analysis, looked at the effects of age and size and weather on their survival and reproduction. And what they found is that very much unlike the case of Borderia, this species does seem to undergo senescence. It's uh, quite drastically affected by the weather. So this goes by, um, Scott, to your question regarding phenotypic plasticity. Weather does have a huge effect on demographic rates. And um, yeah, I thought that that was a very clever way to go about decomposing effects of uh, intrinsic mortality from extrinsic mortality. So I thought I would ask you about your your bulleted list of future directions. Do you have any of the ten that are particularly interesting to you that uh, that you could talk about? The editorial of the special feature, in addition to um, setting up the stage for what we know and what we don't know about plants in essence, and highlighting how the different contributed papers um, integrate into this landscape. Uh, this editorial also contains um, some suggested future directions. Um, we decided to do this. It's uh, 10 suggestions um, on whole individuals in essence. We decided to do this following a very inspiring paper that was published in Journal of Ecology earlier this year. Um, the title of the paper escapes my brain right now, but it was something along the lines of 100 Very Important Questions in Ecology, mm -hmm. and it was written by Sutherland and co-authors. Um, that paper was very interesting per se, and um, I think that efforts like that are very worth, particularly when done retrospectively. What I would love to see is these 10 questions being fully addressed maybe in 10 years. We'll see if um, we have some luck there. I think, I think one of the 10 questions that uh, I at least am very interested in is whether dietary restriction affects plants in the same way that it is uh, affecting animals in essence. 
Dietary restriction is simply a decrease in the intake that uh, an organism has, uh, simply putting an organism on a diet. And this has been shown in the animal kingdom to prolong lifespan and decrease the rates of senescence in a number of organisms, although there are some monkey exceptions. Um, in the plant kingdom, there's not a single study that I know of that has that has tested this hypothesis explicitly. And as a researcher who does most of the field work in desert ecosystems, and these ecosystems being extremely nutrient limited, I wonder whether it is a coincidence that most of the plant species um, that have made it to the Guinness records for the lifespan do occur in these ecosystems. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting here is that by means of living in such a poor habitat, this species, this perennial species, might have been able to slow down senescence rates through some unknown metabolic mechanism and achieve such wonderful lifespans, such as the one of uh, bristle compine. I have been speaking with Rob Soguero Gomez and Richard Shefferson about the special feature in the Journal of Ecology on plant senescence. For the Journal of Ecology podcast, I'm Scott Chamberlain.